The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. Hello and welcome to Sports Info UM. Sam, what's going on? Not much, man. Just another beautiful day in paradise. I hear you, man. It's beautiful here in the state of Florida, too, over here on the east coast of Florida, Palm Coast, Florida. Hey, Sam, you know, we look at the University of Alabama. They've won three national championships in the last four years. What's in store for them next? Do we see them? Do you see them taking another title next year? Uh, I, I definitely see Alabama um, competing for another national championship. Nick Saban has done an outstanding job. It was just announced that they're going to be uh, losing three potential first-round draft picks, including Lacey, uh, the MVP of the uh, the, the Orange Bowl, uh, to the NFL draft. But uh, Nick Saban has an excellent young tailback in T.J. Yeldon, and he also has three five-star recruits that are going to be competing for another opportunity. I, I just feel Coach Saban has done an, outst- an outstanding job of recruiting talent and uh, just evaluating um, young men that fits the system that the University of Alabama is uh, playing in their style of play. Uh, he's definitely set the bar high for a lot of uh, programs, you know, before Nick Saban got Nick, Nick Saban got to the University of Alabama, you're talking about one of the most prestigious universities in all of college football. That was not a popular job, but when Nick Saban got to Alabama, he he went to work right away and has done an outstanding job. Yeah, Coach Saban has done an outstanding job. It looked like his recruiting and the way he can get the best players in the nation uh, look, look like it's 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 wrong, man. Look like it's illegal. Look like something's something's not fair. But um, he really seems to do his job and do, and do it very well, you know. And I guess when you could take four national championships and uh, and put all four, put all three of those rings on the table, I think that says a lot. And and when a recruit can see that and say, "Wow, every kid that's been here for the last six years has walked away with one of these rings on his finger," that's a pretty confident feeling. And you know, in the state of Alabama, um, there's a guy by the name of Paul Bear Bryant that everybody know and uh, and loves. But uh, you know, when you you re- when you think about the big scheme of things, the younger generation they don't really know Paul Bear Bryant. They know Nick Saban. So all of the six and seven year olds that say, "Hey, I want to be an Alabama Crimson Tide. I want to roll Tide," they're looking at the body of work that Nick Saban's doing. And he's doing an outstanding job. Now, it's up to the parents to educate them on the legacy of Paul Bear Bryant. But just 
It's the job that uh, Coach Saban is doing. You know, uh, I didn't think that we would see another dynasty this quick. You know, Pete Carroll had the closest thing to a dynasty when he was at USC uh, before he left to go to the NFL. But Nick Saban has uh, he's he's taking the torch and he's running with it. And uh, it's going to take a lot of hard work to catch up uh, with them. But the one thing I will say is Alabama. They do benefit from playing in uh, the premier conference in college football, the SEC. And uh, that's one of the few conferences in uh, college football that you can lose a game and still uh, play for the national championship. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. And I, um, I'm not so sure about that USC dynasty, um, Sam. I think the last dynasty we saw was the University of Miami football teams that won, won championships with, with Jimmy Johnson, Howard uh, Stellenberg, I, I, Craig I, I, Erickson. I knew you was going to throw in the hurricanes. But the last dynasty in college football was USC, man. The, the job uh, that Pete Carroll did. Now, now the, the run that – USC and Alabama zone. I will say it, it's you can compare the Miami dynasty and the body of work that Miami did to those runs. But uh, I, I mean, and it's not an easy thing to do. What Jimmy Johnson created at Miami, well, oh, Howard Snellenberger right. created at Miami. It, it was a great thing, but you know, yeah. Miami's a thing of the past. Now you know. Um, I, I would agree with that, but I guess what my point is, Sam, is that these teams. You know, you look at what USC's done after Pete Carroll left. The program has slid in a mighty way. And I don't think that Alabama could perform the way they perform it without saving. And when we look at those Miami teams, when Howard Snellenberger left, Jimmy Johnson stepped in and won a championship. When Jimmy Johnson left, Craig Erickson stepped in and won a championship. And 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 we look at it, um and we look at it even a little bit further when um Coach Coker came in, he um he won a championship. So I look at it like those teams in Miami were those, those were legendary teams. Well, so, we're looking so at you're a, not, Alabama. You're not going to call these Alabama teams legendary? These Come teams, on, man. These teams are legendary without a doubt. But I'm saying their coach is more famous than the teams. You understand what I'm saying? And, I, I, and, and, I, I, and I we have to agree say, with that. I, I, Saban, I don't really agree with that. Could these teams win without Sable? I, I think they can. I think he's done a great job of uh, getting assistant coaches that, that are committed to staying there. Uh, he has a – a great defensive coordinator that uh, has had several opportunities to go be a head coach, but he's refused to go. I don't know if they have a secret coaching waiting uh, deal under the table, but uh, there's definitely something that's keeping uh, Coach Smart uh, at the University of Alabama. And, uh, you know, it, it's really kind of unfair to that program for you to say that they they couldn't survive without saving. You know, I'm sure Miami faced a lot of those same questions. Uh, without Snellenberger, will we be able to uh, continue the continue the legacy of the program? You know, uh, I, I don't agree with that one. You know, uh, the body of work they're done. To be honest, uh, the Miami. Uh, the Miami run and the USC run pales in comparison because uh, I really feel that Alabama's just getting started. Now, I, I would agree with that. And the question is, you know, and, and I really, 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 in my heart of hearts, I think Coach Saban's going to stay at Alabama. I really do. You know, you know but but we but we have to understand, you know, he said the same thing when he was at, at, at Miami, when he was with the Dolphins. He said, I'm not interested in college. I'm not going back to college. A couple of weeks later, he was gone. Now I don't see him. I don't see him leaving. Uh, well, you never know. If he wins another championship in 2013, um, he he may opt out to go go to the NFL, go back to the NFL. Well, if you were going to go to the NFL, now is the time 
to, to really have thrown your name in the hat. There's eight jobs jobs available. Uh, Nick Saban, to me, uh, I, I feel he's made it perfectly clear. I'm not going to the NFL. I have been there, done that. I am committed to the University of Alabama. I think the next thing you're going to see from Nick Saban, he's going to win two, maybe three more championships. He's going to ride off into the sunset. The number that he's chasing in my mind is six. That's the number of championships that Paul Bear Bryant has at the University of Alabama. Uh, I, I really feel that Coach Saban is driven to be the best, to be known as the best college football coach of all time. Now, when you have four national championships under your belt, you're still young enough and driven enough to keep recruiting, to continue with the grind, and the type of talent that you're bringing to Tuscaloosa year in and year out. What's going to prevent him in the next four years from winning those two national championships? I, it, it's hard to say, Sam. You know, and 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 if he can keep the ship rolling like it's like it's rolling right now, nothing. You know, because the best players in the country are going to want to come and play for him, and you can't blame them. You know what I mean? Um, now, what we could see happening that that maybe could dismantle this team is that eventually, if you keep winning, your coaching staff is going to get dismantled. Now, is that going to slow down Coach Saban? I'm not sure. You know, is that going to slow down the program? It's a possibility because we all know a, a, a good coach is is – is a valuable, valuable asset to a team. And, a good, and what I really mean is a good assistant coach is a valuable asset to a team. That, that is very true. But, uh, you know, the grass ain't greener. The grass ain't greener on the other side. And uh, I really feel that a lot of these uh, assistant coaches are, are starting to see that. Uh, the University of Alabama have a lot of resources. They have a lot of money that they can pay these coaches. And if I can make the same type of money as a coordinator that I can as a head coach, uh, less hassle, better players, I'm going to win. I don't have to worry about uh, looking for a job in three years. Then I'm going to stay at the University of Alabama. And uh, I, I really feel that's what Coach Smart is doing. Um, I mean, like I said, he's had several opportunities where he could take over his own program. But uh, why leave something? You're in the midst of greatness. So uh, why leave that? Well, because some of us want to create our, our – we want to blaze our own blaze of glory. You know what I mean? We want to we want to, um, want to, to start our own thing. You know, and some of these guys, they really do want to be recognized as the head honcho. They want to be the big chief balawash. They want to be that guy in charge, man. And, and there's nothing it, there, there's nothing wrong with want to be in charge, but 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 sometimes and uh, you you hate to see it. You see guys they jump off that cliff a little too early, and, and there's nothing wrong with sitting and perfecting your craft, especially when you're learning from one of the best of all time. There's nothing wrong with that, and, and a lot of times guys will take that job, and they might on you might only get one chance to be a head coach. You know, some guys are very fortunate. They get jobs, they lose jobs, they get other jobs, uh, like it's changing clothes. But uh, for for some guys, they're only going to get that one opportunity, so they have to be ready and they have to take advantage of that opportunity. I I, I would agree with you, Sam. But you know, if you're the, if you're a coordinator for the University of Alabama and 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 Texas calls and say they want you to be the head coach, I don't think you turn them down. I think you listen to what they have to say because that job that that coordinator's job might not be be at Alabama in three years, four years, but it'll be at UCLA, USC, and there's so many other colleges that you can always go back to and be a coordinator. But once you have an opportunity 
to go out and be a head coach. And that's the same reason, Sam, that some of these college coaches are always tell, oh, no, I'm not talking to the NFL. I'm not talking to the NFL. And what are they doing behind our backs? They're talking to the NFL because it's an opportunity to step up, to, to, to make that dream a reality. You know, I mean, you both had the dream of being of playing in the NFL. Now, we never really maybe had the dream of, of coaching in the NFL, but any opportunity to make that dream a reality, I think you almost have to step out there on faith and, 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 and take a chance. The problem is Texas ain't calling, man. You I'm gotta, not you saying. Gotta, you got to look at the job. I know you're not saying that. You're using Texas as an example, but yeah. the, the type of jobs that are being offered to these guys, that it's almost like suicide mission. Sometimes you're talking about lower-level uh, programs that uh, you, you have to really build up. Now, I'm not saying that you turn down a BCS job, but in Coach Smart's case, he has done that. But for most of these guys, that are getting offered jobs, they have to go improve themselves. They have to go to the MAC. They have to go to Conference USA, and they have to build a program. And uh, you know, a lot of times uh, those programs don't have the facilities. They don't have the financial resources that it's going to take for you to be successful. And that's what I mean by the grass not all being green on the other side. You know, there's a difference in coaching at the University of Miami, at the University of Michigan, at the University of Alabama, compared to some of these uh, other programs. I, I'll give you Eastern Michigan for an example, a MAC program. Program. I, I guarantee you, if you ask Ron English, is there a difference? You're talking about programs that don't have the facilities to compete in their own conference. So, uh, I mean, it, it's going to be a struggle for some of these coordinators in these programs. Uh, some of them just don't have the financial resources to be successful. I know it. But when you're an offense coordinator, defense coordinator at Alabama, man, you don't, you can almost handpick your job. You know what I mean? And and next year, if those guys win a championship, they will be able to go out and handpick their job. Like it was some great jobs out, out there this year, man. University handpicking. If you can handpick, you're gonna you're gonna pick the job that you're gonna be successful, man. You you, uh, you you're not. What what was the biggest job out there this year? I'm not saying the Syracuse job just came available. That's yeah. not a bad job. And that's the, you know it, that, it's not a great job either. No, you're a, I'm not you're, saying you're it in is. a conference that you don't even know if they're going to survive the um, the Big East, man. I wouldn't want to be a part of the Big East. <laughs> hey, hey guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network. After this quick break, we're going to be back with the question: Should college athletes be paid to play sports? That's that's what we want to know. Should college athletes be paid to play sports? We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? 
have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice. America's Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Sam, you were just talking about should the NCAA athletes get paid? i tell you this, Sam. What we do know is that football carries most all sports in the NCAA. So if, if we're going to pay somebody, let's start with what's carrying us in the NCAA, and that's football. Because we both know that football is what's making the money. You know, and in the, in the, in the NCAA, and we hear people say, oh, well, these guys are getting scholarships. They're getting paid. They're getting paid because they're getting a scholarship. They'll have something when they leave. Let me tell you something, Sam. I can almost guarantee you the University of Tennessee is going to make more money from their football team this year than the Carolina Panthers is going to make. And and, and they're probably going to make more than, than the Houston Texans. And I can guarantee you this too, Sam, the $20 million that Peyton Manning gets paid per season, that one player per season, is enough money to pay for every scholarship on an 85, on an 85 scholarship team, every person's scholarship. Well, the question was, the question was, should NCAA athletes be paid to play sports? Uh, I'm definitely for it, and uh, I'll give you a couple reasons. Uh, the University of Ohio State, a university that uh, I'm not very fond of, have a lot of love and respect for, because without the University of Ohio State, there would be no Michigan. But uh, should uh, college, college athletes be paid? Yes, because uh, another reason is, uh, uh, like you mentioned earlier, they fund every sport on campus. Right. Let's just call a spade a spade. Every sport that's being funded is uh, from the football program, especially at the major universities. Uh, I really have a problem with Ohio State University banning their team from uh, bowl games so those players, they don't get to go to a bowl game. They don't get the benefits of having a successful season. But their coach receives $150,000 for their hard work, for them finishing in the top three. 
I mean, there's thousands, there's probably hundreds of uh, examples we can give you. But uh, that that's just one that really rubs me the wrong way. I, I would totally agree with you. You know, and 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 trust me, being being in Florida where Urban Meyer coached at prior to going to Ohio State, um, I really think when the Cincinnati Bengals or or the Philadelphia Eagles or whoever's going to come calling in the next couple of years, the call NCAA him. come knocking on his door for more violations, he's going to be he, sick he'll, again. He'll, he'll be, be sick, sick again. again, and he'll be gone. You know, but I, I guess my thing is is that. These kids need to be paid simply because it's such a risky sport they're playing. And we look at people at the next level, these guys are getting paid a hundred something thousand dollars per week when these kids are down here making the same amount of money for the school and for the NCAA and not getting paid anything. And then they want to cut out even weekend money or, or, you know, what we used to call weekend money back in the old days. You get like $54. Every weekend, if you didn't make the, if you didn't travel with the team, your stipend, man, your scholarship, your chits. <laughs> uh, uh, another uh, another example is you, you got to look at the revenue, the the TV contracts. Uh, now uh, we're getting close to the uh, the plus one system, where we're going to have a playoff, uh, and all of that's driven by the TV contracts, the revenue that's going to be generated. You're talking billions of dollars that's going to be made off of these young men. You're uh, Not to mention uh, the Tim Tebow's of the world, the Denard Robinson's of the world, your marquee athletes on campus, how they're really being exploited. Their jerseys are being sold. T-shirts are being sold. And these young men are um, probably, uh, if, if they're living like I was in college, they're struggling uh, to pay a car payment uh, just so they can have transportation. But uh, this is something that def- definitely has to be talked about. And, and uh, I will commend the SEC coaches uh, and, and the old ball coach, uh, South Carolina, Steve Spurrier. He's been on record several times saying that these guys need to receive something. And, and I tell you what, being a former athlete, I would be happy with an extra $1,000 in my pocket a month. You're not talking about guys that want to make thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a week or a year. You're just talking about enough money. I, I just really feel that these young men should get enough money in their scholarship checks to to have a, a one-bedroom apartment in a nice area of town because I, I know I'm, I stay with two other guys in a condo in a shady uh, area so we can have extra money so we can stretch that scholarship check so we could be able to afford a car and uh, to take our girlfriends out on the weekend. So uh, it, it's definitely something that really has to be looked at. And uh, if these young men were smart, man, they got to start marketing themselves that they have to do something. And uh, another uh, issue that I really just – uh, it just it, it sickens me is that a university can take a jersey that a young man wears in the national championship game and they can put that jersey on eBay or have him sign it and they can auction it off. Now, if this young man has eligibility, he can't sell his own jersey. He can't sell his own gloves. He can't go out and take a meal from a restaurant or he's in violation of NCAA rules. But the university can do this and make money off the young man. Uh, I, I just really feel that uh, the NCAA and college football and basketball is mod- modern-day slavery. Well, Sam, I, 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 I would agree with you, you know, because they're making a whole lot of money off the backs of these young men. And I guess when we, when we look at the, the, the real, real big picture, we're not talking about 
money. We're talking about millions and millions and millions all the way up to we start talking about billions of dollars. And then they want to increase the amount of games that these kids play. You know, uh, we want to have a playoff system. We want to have a playoff system. Well, if we have a playoff system, we're talking about possibly 16 games for for a college student to play. And now you're talking about a kid that just came out of high school maybe a year or two years prior to that where he played 10 or 11 games, maybe 12 if he went to the state championship game. Now he's going to be playing 15 or 16 games just like he's a professional. I just really think we're asking a bit much of these young men. And, you know, a lot of these coaches, they're telling the players, hey, you should stay one more year to improve your draft stock. But they're leaving. They're leaving to take the best job that's possible. You know, that to me, they don't really care uh, about these young men. Some of them care, but most of them don't. You know, you know, you know um, one of the things we, 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 we seldom talk about is, you know, Saban said the other day that he takes two days off and he goes right back to work. How many days do you think he, his team is going to have uh, before they go right back to work? Maybe a week, maybe maybe two weeks. But the N, the NCAA is not going to say anything when Saban says, we have a volunteer workout tomorrow, gentlemen. Who's going to miss a volunteer workout if you're in college? You don't, you don't volunteer workout, workouts are – Wink, wink, they're mandatory. Exactly. If you're not there, there's people that's watching, they're documenting, they're letting people know that, hey, such and such wasn't at this workout. And such and such is going to hear from a, a position coach or a head coach or a coordinator. He's going to hear from somebody. And, and, and it's a full-time job. And oh, yeah. uh, you have to balance your academics. You have to try to find your job in the summertime. You have to make it to your mandatory lift, your mandatory run, your – um. Well, I'm not going to say mandatory. Your voluntary run, your lift, and seven on seven, and your film study. And hey, man, they also want you to get good grades, stay eligible, and uh, and stay out of trouble. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Hey, that's that's not an easy job, man. It's really not an easy job. But I, I, I guess I guess we have to think about this thing, man. When we when we start talking about these volunteer workouts, if you miss say three of those, three of the twenty volunteer workouts, you miss three. And you were second on a depth chart. When spring practice starts, I guarantee you, you're not going to be second on a depth chart. And if you're thinking about moving up to the number one spot, and you missed three of those volunteer workouts, even if you had to study or you had to meet with a professor, you're going to slip on a depth chart. Uh, unless you're just a guy that it's going to be hard to replace. But if you're in a dog fight, you're, you're definitely, there's going to be some consequences for you not being there and doing whatever you're supposed to do. Uh, I know when I played, we had to make so many workouts and uh, then we can take some time off. And we were also rewarded when it came time for our conditioning test. If we stayed uh, at school the whole summer, I, I mean, you enjoy being with your teammates. And, and, and like I said, it's not like a money grab where guys are saying, yeah, we should make 150000 dollars it's nothing like that it's maybe three four hundred dollars a month per student athlete yeah and sam this is something we could talk about forever man hey but yesterday man the baltimore ravens shot the denver broncos and peyton manning 38 35 to advance to the afc championship hey man a lot of us thought we'd see peyton manning and and um and the new england patriots playing against each other 
for this AFC championship, but we're not going to see that same. Uh, uh, you know, I, I really feel America, the TV networks, again, there we go with the TV networks. It's all about the money. Would have loved to see uh, Tom Brady uh, versus Peyton Manning uh, one more time. But uh, the first thing I got to say about the whole weekend of football is where was the defense? You know, I was a little disappointed <laughs> in the defense. You know, in uh, all of the games combined, it was an average of about 46 points scoring, 694 yards a game. So, you know, you know there was no defense, but it was a lot of fireworks if you're an offensive guy. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, they're questioning John Fox. They're saying, hey, why did he go into the half with three timeouts? Why did he play for overtime when he has one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game playing for him? Well, I'll tell you what, guys, you're going to have to find out when we come back from this break. You're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network, and we're going to be right back. We're going to talk about the most exciting week of football in my mind uh, all year long. This was just an outstanding week to be a football fan. We'll be right back, guys, after the break. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. Hey, um, Sam, some of us are going to be saying, hey, are we seeing the same old film that we've seen before with Peyton Manning, did Peyton Manning choke again? And uh, and, I, and I'm not going to say that uh, Peyton Manning choked, but I don't think we saw the best Peyton Manning we've seen in years past, especially late in the game. Uh, hey, you know, you know, the book on Peyton is when he gets to the big game, uh, he, he'll choke if you put pressure on him. I, I, 
I, I feel Peyton did enough for them to win the game. Uh, when you have a seven-point lead, your defense is on the field, less than two minutes to play in the ball game. Uh, you know, uh, we used to always say, Michigan, give me a place to stand, man. I, I would love the opportunity to be on the field protecting the seven-point lead, protecting the seven-point lead. Uh, the to me, the defense just didn't get the job done. And, uh, like, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of people, they're, they're questioning Coach Fox and, uh, his game management saying, why didn't you let Peyton Manning, uh, take a chance on that third and seven with two minutes to go? You hand the ball off to, um, a third string tailback. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning said that he checked to that call, uh, and, and pretty much, it, a paid man and ran system is a check with me system. He comes to the line of scrimmage. He's going to put the offense. In, he's going to put the offense in the best play uh, that's going to be successful versus that defense. Um, but if you really look at the game that I saw, I saw a, a Baltimore team that really took it to the Denver Broncos. I saw a Baltimore team that, if you take away the two uh, return touchdowns, uh, should have been up by fourteen points. I saw a Baltimore team that uh, exploited a great cornerback in Champ Bailey. I mean, Torrey Smith is still running past Champ Bailey. Now, Flacco missed him a couple of times, but he also hit him a couple of times. But the play that, that really just stands out in my mind is the um, the safety. When you have three deep safeties, your main job is to keep everything inside and in front of you. He, he had several options on that play. He could have tackled him and got a pass interference. He could have just tackled him, and uh, his defense still had a place to stand. But you don't undercut it. Uh, and this is a young man. He plays in the NFL, so I know he has a very high skill. He's a, he's a great football player. But uh, he had a brain freeze, and that brain freeze cost his team a chance to be playing in the AFC Championship game. I would agree with you. But at the same time, we talked about this last week, about the light, the light switch going off in Flacco's head. And I think he saw a little twinkle of light. And I'm not sure we've seen the last of what Flacco can do, man. He says he wants to be an elite quarterback. What better place to prove it than the AFC Championship game and being a better and being being an elite quarterback? And when we look at that play last year, Lee Evans. Every time I see him catch that ball in the end zone, I'm not so sure that he had possession for that to be a touchdown. Looked like it could have been a touchdown. It was ruled an incomplete pass. But man, that's how close he was from going to the Super Bowl last year. And I think if he if he's if he's any kind of man, he got to be saying, man, if I could play just a tad, a tinkle bit better than I played last year, we could be in the Super Bowl. Well, uh, if you're an elite quarterback, you don't go around asking to be elite. Uh, you know, I think Flacco's a very serviceable quarterback. Flacco has a very big arm. Uh, Flacco, to me, if he's going to be successful, uh, they need to establish the run first. Baltimore, uh, did Flacco make some big time throws yesterday? Yes, he did. Uh, you know, Baltimore's, they're, they're very, uh, well ran, organized, uh, a very, uh, a lot of veterans on that team, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, uh, big defensive tackle, man. They have a lot of guys that's been there before. And uh, I agree with Tom Brady. The best two teams are playing in the AFC championship game. Uh, it, those guys in Baltimore is going to be playing off a lot of emotion. You know, they want to send Ray Lewis out the right way with a Super Bowl championship. And now they get a chance for redemption. They get to go into New England this Sunday night at 6.30 and try to beat the Patriots. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to watching that game, and I'm also uh, sad to say this. I hate to say this, man. I'm going to um, pour out a little uh, 
liquor for Ray Lewis, man, because this is going to be the last time we're going to see the great Ray Lewis. Oh, you think Tom Brady is just going to take it to him? I think New England's going to take it to him. It's not about Tom Brady. It's uh, I, I just like the Patriots, man. I like the organization. Uh, you can talk about Spygate. You can talk about eighteen and one. You can say that they uh, cheat with the hurry up offense, man. I, I just like the New England Patriots, man. You know us Michigan guys. It ain't, it ain't about one individual, man. It's about the team, man. We, we team players. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, you know my my whole thing with the New England Patriots is that. Um, you know, the Spygate, I'm still not over there. You know, even after years, I'm still not over the Spygate. Anytime you start talking about you got to destroy evidence, you know, we can't see it. Former players can't see it. Hey, man, that's, that's, that, a that, that, that's, so, that's so old, man. Let, let's get into this. How about uh, Colin Kaepernick in the 49ers, man? When, when, I, when I say they, they ran past Green Bay, he's still running past Green Bay. Uh, I mean, a lot of people question uh, Jim Harbaugh's decision. Hey, how, how are you going to bench Alex Smith? He got hurt. Uh, you know, I don't know if the 49ers are going to be able to advance with Colin Kaepernick at quarterback. Uh, ask the Green Bay Packers about Colin Kaepernick. Hey, you know, and, and when you look at Colin Kaepernick and they played it, they played Atlanta Falcons this week. I really think that 49ers might be in a really, really good position to put themselves in the Super Bowl. And this is another team that last year, they was just a couple plays away from going to the Super Bowl. Hey, uh, I mean, it, it's going to be tough going to Atlanta winning, but uh, I, I really, 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 uh, feel that the 49ers are going to find a way to win. Uh, I really like how uh, they implement the quarterback runs with Frank Gore and uh, Crabtree, man. He's really stepped up his game. I, I would like to see a little bit more chemistry between the quarterback and uh, Vernon Davis. I feel he's one of the, he's just a, a weapon that's waiting to be used. You know how on Christmas you get a whole bunch of toys. You don't know what toy you're going to play with. Uh, Kaepernick and Davis, they have to develop some chemistry. But uh, this is a team, man, that, that they're playing at a very high level. Uh, Harbaugh has done an outstanding job. Uh, another guy that I want to mention, man, is Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Uh, he, he's been an outstanding uh, coordinator. Uh, he spent some time in Indianapolis. He's uh, been with uh, Capers. He's a 3-4 guy, and uh, he really has the 49ers playing at a high level. Uh, and when I say high level, you're talking about three of your linebackers made first-team All-Pro, Alden Smith, Patrick Willis, uh, and uh, Navarro Bowman. Uh, you're talking about All-Pro all guys, Deshaun Golston, the, the safety. I mean, yeah, that's four guys off your defense. So when you have those type of uh, weapons in the in the running game that the 49ers have, uh, you, you're definitely going to be in most games. And, uh, and you're talking about a, one of the hottest offensive uh, coordinators or, or assistant coaches. You look no farther than Greg Roman, man. Uh, the 49ers are probably going to lose their offensive coordinator. You know, what, what, what do you think about Aaron Rodgers? You know, we, we look at that team. Now, you're talking about a team that's probably going to lose some things. You know, Aaron Rodgers, his whole, his whole offense is based on him slinging the ball all around the field to many different receivers. In some cases, this man has thrown to 10 different receivers in, a, in one game. Now, when you look at him and all of these receivers, there's no way all of these guys are going to be back next year. You know, um, it's just it's just no way. And and are we looking at the last of what could have been a great team? 
You know, when I, I'm talking about the uh, the forty or the uh, the Green Bay Packers, I don't see Aaron Rodgers and and all of these guys coming back next year to to. When, when, when I look at the Green Bay Packers, uh, Aaron Rodgers, he's definitely going to be back because now he's oh, one yeah. of, he's one of the elite quarterbacks. What I feel that uh, is going on in Green Bay, I feel we have a youth movement going on. You have guys like James Jones, you have uh, Jordy Nelson, you have Randall Cobb. Now the guys that, that I really feel that you're questioning, will they be back? Is Donald Driver and Greg Jennings? No, you know those guys are in contract years, and uh, I. I I really feel that uh, they're, they're probably going to lose those two guys unless they can get them at at a price that makes sense for the team. In the driver's case, I really feel that uh, this is the end of the road for him. Greg Jennings, he, he has some football left in him. The the question is, uh, will he be willing to to play at a price uh, that makes sense for uh, for the franchise? Because uh, the the one thing that really hurts the club. More than anything is uh, when you get a a guy that has been a superstar that has been very productive, and uh, sometimes the team reach and they overpay these uh, these gentlemen. So uh, maybe uh, they're gonna have to work out something where he has a an incentive uh, based contract, uh, and he's gonna have to earn his money. But uh, I, I still feel that Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers have enough weapons to be successful. They're gonna have to um, utilize the draft. Uh, I feel one of their biggest needs is a running back. They need some stability at the running back position. Oh, without a doubt, they definitely need stability at the running back position. But, you know, the word is that the Miami Dolphins are um, trying to push a contract under the nose of Jennings to get him to come to South Florida. Hey, man, he's, take the money. Uh, I'm an advocate, man. Get as much money as you can because you never know when your number's going to be called, when it's going to be over, man. So, in in players' cases, I, I understand the business aspect of it, but if you're a player, if you can make an extra four or five million dollars, man, you got to go out and do what's best for you and your family. And uh, there there's no loyalty when it comes to sports, man. Because at the end of the day, uh, most franchises they're gonna do what's best for them, and uh, it's business, man. So you can't you can't get too emotional when it, when it comes to hey, I've been here my whole career. Uh, you know, hey, look at Peyton Manning; he's in Denver. Who would have exactly. thought? Who would have thought that he would uh? He wouldn't retire as an Indianapolis coach, and I'm not talking about on a one-day contract. <laughs> hey, you know the Atlanta Falcons uh, blew a lead, but they did rebound to beat the Seattle Seahawks, thirty to twenty-eight. And Seattle really missed an opportunity at the end of the first half to kick a field goal, to spike the ball, kick a field goal, and put three points on the board. I understand they were down by they were, they were down. I think the score was um, twenty 21, to zip, twenty-one to zip, or twenty-one twenty-one to zip. 21 to zip. You know, hey. Uh, well, my thought on that is uh, really, truthfully, uh, I'm going to blame the quarterback. He had an outstanding day, and uh, to me, man, he, he's going to be a heck of a player if he continues to develop. But uh, in, a, in a situation like that, you just had an incomplete, incomplete pass. The clock's not running. Uh, as a quarterback, as the leader of that team, you have to know the situation. You have to know that my options are, I'm going to throw a pass in the end zone. We're going to score. I'm going to throw the ball away or throw the ball away. I cannot take a sack. And uh, he took a sack, and they, they didn't have enough time to rush the field goal unit out or to get a playoff. And that uh, 
proved to be very costly uh, to the Seattle Seahawks. But, uh, I mean, they battle back, man. And uh, that, that just, I, I am very, very impressed with that, with that franchise and the job that Pete <laughs> Carroll has done. And uh, I, I tell you what, man, uh, I, I really feel that uh, if I'm a receiver or if I'm Seattle, uh, I, I, I like Rice. I like Golden Tate, but I'm gonna if I if we can go out and just get one receiver, man, that can just be that guy and make a difference. I, I really feel that that's a Super Bowl team because their defense is outstanding. Hey guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. We're gonna be right back for our last segment after the break. We're gonna get we're gonna finish recapping this Seattle and Atlanta game and get into the New England Patriots in Houston, and we're gonna give our predictions for uh, next weekend. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Sam, one of the funniest things I saw yesterday, man, was um, Pete Carroll called a timeout just before the field goal. But the kid, but the guy kicked the field goal and missed it. Pete Carroll, he's over there. Who called that timeout? Did I call that timeout? Who called that timeout? Sean Goodwell, it was him that called the timeout, man. Hey, man, I, I don't think Pete Carroll thought that was too funny. Uh, from from my understanding, the rule is is that you don't get a practice kick. So even if he called the timeout, the kicker was not supposed to um to kick the ball. But uh, I, I I will say this about that uh in that situation. I think a lot of these coaches, they're outsmarting themselves. Before you would see a coach call timeout, the guy would make the kick, and then he'll come back and miss the kick. Now, uh, this season, uh, if you ask Miami, that strategy hasn't worked out so well. 
now guys are missing the first one and making the one that really counts. Uh, but um, I, I'm a little bit more disappointed in uh, Seattle's defense on that last drive. But 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 I will say this: uh, that that Seattle team they fought and they fought and they fought to the end. And uh, you know Russell Wilson uh, to me, I know the playoffs don't supposed to count, but Russell Wilson to me. Uh, show why he should be the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, this young man was just outstanding. Um, and he, he has a firm grasp of the offense. He makes everyone around him better. And, uh, if he continues to develop, man, you're talking about the steal of the draft. 24, 36, 385 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. I mean, he did everything but line the field. And he also has seven carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. He's very athletic. And, uh, you know, uh, I did say it's on the quarterback. He should have knew the situation and threw the ball out of bounds. He shouldn't have taken a sack. But at the same time, his athleticism is what made so many plays for the, for his team. And if anybody is going to make a mistake, you want it to be one of your leaders. And uh, in that case, you know, he made a mistake. Uh, it was a costly mistake. But when you were looking at when we were looking at the game, we didn't think that that was going to be a factor because really and truly, I'm sure most of America felt that Atlanta was going to blow Seattle out of the, um, the Georgia Dome at that point in time. But Seattle fought and took a lead late. And uh, again, give me a place to stand. And uh, the defense just didn't come come through in, in in that situation. But Seattle has a great team. They have a great coach. Pete Carroll has done an outstanding job. He has really redeemed himself from the uh, last time he was an NFL coach. And uh, man, I'm I'm excited about the future of the Seattle Seahawks. I I am as well. And um, and and when you look at this young quarterback, man, I think what what impresses me the most about him is that he's very elusive. And he always seems to be able to get away from people and throw the ball. He's not getting away from people to run the ball like we've seen a lot of young quarterbacks do in the past. He's getting away from people, looking downfield. And usually when he gets away from someone and looks downfield, he finds someone wide open. And I'm just, you know, he's very impressive, man. I, I, I like what Pete Carroll has done with this team. And, and I, I see them really doing, doing at least what they did um, this year, next year. And um, we're surprised when you see this team in, in the um, in the championship next year. Hey, that was my that was my pick to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, hey, but uh, I would also like to congratulate Matt Ryan. You know, a lot of people uh, figured that he's Mr. GQ. He's always dressed all sharp. Uh, he's always representing uh, the franchise in a positive way. Uh, he finally got a playoff victory. Also, man, uh, Tony Gonzalez, 15 year veteran, first ballot hall of famer, got his first playoff victory. Uh, you know, it couldn't have happened to two better guys. Uh, they're going to have a tough game this week against the San Francisco 49ers. I'm picking the 49ers to go to Atlanta and beat them. But, uh, just think about it, man. Tony Gonzalez, you played 15 years and you finally get a playoff victory, man. How, wow. sweet, how sweet it is, man. How sweet it is. That, that is a very sweet thing for him. And I'm very happy for Tony Gonzalez. You know, he's he's been a, a, an exemplary player his entire career. You know, um, he's, he's, he's had very few injuries. Uh, man, great guy. Yeah, hey, you man. You never hear anything bad about him. Hey, man, the next game we're going to talk about, man, uh, an NFL record, 17th postseason victory. 
drum roll. Hail to the victors. Tom Brady uh, leads the Pats past the Texans 41 to 28, man. Well, what are your thoughts on the Patriots, man? I know you're not a big fan. You talk about Spygate, uh, getting rid of evidence, but what do you think about the product that they put on the field this year? Uh, I know you were bashing them. You, I want to say, I'm going to have to go back and listen to the recordings. I really feel that you owe me a dinner because uh, I, I think you predicted that they wouldn't make the playoffs. You know, I'm not sure about that prediction, but uh, I, I, w- I will say this. Um, Bill Belichick is one of the most impressive coaches that I've, that I've seen in the NFL. I mean, he, he's, he's one of the few guys that can actually go with the flow. He actually changes a few things to, to, to make his team better every year. And a lot of, te- a lot of people will stick with something, something that they think is going to work, and Bill Belichick, he'll cut something that he think is going to work and go with something that he know is going to work. And so I, I just really I, I admire the guy, man. I really do. He makes uh, great in-game adjustments, man. He does a great job of scouting his opponents and uh, taking advantage of uh, – he's going to exploit your weakness. So uh, if there's a guy out there that can't cover, man, he's going to go after that guy. If there's a guy out there that can't play the run, he, he's going to run the ball at him. Uh, the, the hurry-up offense, you know, a lot of people are saying, is it fair uh, to snap the ball before the defense is getting set? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. The offense can't make a substitution. Uh, if the defense don't make a substitution and vice versa. So if they're going in a hurry-up offense, you know you can't substitute. Your guys have to get set. You have to practice those situations. So, you know, you can point the fingers and say, hey, that's suspect, that's borderline cheat, man. Belichick is taking advantage of the system, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's totally legal what what he's doing. He's running at a fast pace. If you know a team is running a hurry-up offense, you have to get your guys set. You can't be trying to substitute guys when they're tired. And, uh, you know, hey, there there's nothing – there's nothing in the rule book to say you have to let the defensive guys get in their stance and get set before you hike the ball. You know, um, I think when we look when we look back at some of these teams that Belichick's had, Wes Welker has been a big factor in these teams. And you got just, you just every year you got to wonder how much longer can this guy play at the level he plays, taking the licks that he take every week. You know, I, I don't really think he take a lot of big time hits, man. I, I think Brady do a good job of protecting him. And you know, hey, it is football. You're going to get hit sometime. But to the to the tune of 118 catches, man, he's had an outstanding year again. Especially when a lot of us felt that New England was trying to phase him out of the offense earlier in the year to rebound and have 118 catches, man. That's that's re- remarkable to me in my mind. I, I would I would agree with you. But to see them use to see them lose Gronkowski yesterday, do you think this is going to affect this team? Now, a lot of us, a lot of people will say, "Well, I don't think so," because it really hasn't in the last four games. He hasn't been a factor. I I, I really feel that it's going to affect them uh, to a, to a certain extent. But I also feel that uh, Brady and Belichick is so good, man, of uh, just finding matchups and uh, exploiting those matchups uh, that that. 
I, I feel that they'll survive without Grunk. Would you like to have Gronkowski on the field? No doubt. He's one of the premier tight ends in, uh, in all of football. But uh, they, they did a pretty good job yesterday uh, taking advantage of their third-string tailback. Uh, I mean, guys scored three touchdowns, man. Uh, it's just remarkable the job that Tom Brady and Belichick uh, does week in and week out. And not only that, just – Finding the right guys that that fit your system, and uh, and putting them in a position to be successful, asking them and allowing them to do the things that they do well. Uh, to me, that that's one of the great. Uh, to me, that that that's big time coaching, man. I, I would agree with you, man. You know, I don't think it's a better coach in the league than uh, than Bill Belichick. You know, and, and when you look at him, at look at some of the. Um, a lot of his coordinators have gone on to have have uh, professional jobs and head coaches in the NFL and in college. You know, Charlie Weiss is one that comes to mind. Romeo, um, Romeo Cremel, Romeo Cremel, um, Penn State's coach right now. Bill O'Brien, he's very hot right now. There uh, you go, McDaniel's. Yes, he's back on the staff. I'm trying to tell you. So you know, he, he he's not only not only has he produced some some great players, he's produced some very good coaches too has come from his system. All right, Darren, we got 30 seconds left. Give me your predictions this week. San Francisco and Atlanta, who do you like? I'm taking San Francisco, man. Frank Gore, University of Miami, just a bit too I'm much. I'm also taking San Francisco because they're led by Michigan man. New England Patriots and Baltimore, round two. Come on, man. Ed Reed, come on, man. University of Miami, Ray I'm going Lewis, with, I'm going with the Patriots. I'm going with the Patriots in that game, and uh, there's going to be no chance of an all-hardball Super Bowl. Hey, guys, it was great. You're listening to Voice in Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network. Peace. Peace. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.